So my brief was to encourage you all in evangelism with testimonies. So that's what I'm going to be doing today. So it's actually only in recent years that the Lord called me to be an evangelist. Uh, before that, I was homeschooling our nine kids. And um, one day I was just prized running a few ladies' Bible study groups. And I was just saying, Lord, I'll do whatever you call me to do. And people were like, don't do that. God might send you to Africa or India. But he sent me into the deep, dark depths of Hobart City. So... And yes, it's been yeah, 11 years now, actually, which has been amazing. So we know evangelists preach the gospel. So that's what I do a lot of out on the streets of Hobart. Um, and I think evangelists share the gospel more than your average person. It's something you can't help it. Jesus keeps popping out of your mouth, you know. And the more you do it, and you know, I go on holiday. We're in Queensland recently, and my family's mum, you've got to have a rest. And I tried didn't quite succeed but you know the uber drivers you're never going to meet again and you know so but what else do evangelists do well we're going to have a look at ephesians 4 verse 11 to 12 because we know they share the gospel a lot but there's something else that they also do so it's good to use god's word and it says here and he himself that's jesus gave some to be apostles some prophets some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So if we're there, we're just honing in on evangelism today. So the evangelists, what do they do? They train and equip and they edify. That's build up so that they can help mature the body of Christ. Um, I, a lot of you will know Ben Armacost, a good friend of mine. I'm going to be staying with him in London in June. It's going to be awesome. Um, and he always said evangelism's caught more than it's taught. And I think that's true because if you meet with an evangelist and they're so excited about the gospel, it stirs you up to want to share more. So Romans 10, we're going to look at as well. Romans 10, verse 14 to 15, which says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him? of whom they have not heard. And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So much in those verses. I'm not going to expand on them today but I just want to hone in on that how can they believe if they haven't heard there are people in this city who have not heard two weeks ago at our youth night I had two sisters come in they're very young 13 and 11 they came with some of their friends and we were talking about God and one of the sisters goes what's God I've never had that before not who's God what's God no concept whatsoever of God. Like that is heart-wrenching. I gave her our little evangelism booklet, which has got the gospel in it, and a few days later I met her, well, just bumped into her in Wellington Court. She was by herself. And so I bought her some lunch, sat down with her, talked with her, and she said, oh, actually, Helen, I read that booklet you gave me last night. Uh, she read it last night. And I said how do you find that? She said, I, I think I'm understanding more about God. So then we started talking more 
about God. So sometimes it's starting right at that point here in Hobart. You don't even have to be in Africa, India, Afghanistan, anywhere. Here in Hobart, there's people that do not understand anything about God. How are they going to hear? This is from us. We're the ones that are called to preach this amazing good news, the gospel. It's the best news there is. There's so much bad news out there. We need to be willing to be bold and courageous. And I used to be shy. I did. I know nobody believes me, but I used to be shy. I would never go and talk to a stranger. Now I can't help but talk to strangers because we are the light and salt of the earth, aren't we? Uh, so we're just going to look at the Great Commission as well in Matthew 28. Uh, this is Jesus speaking to his um, apostles as he's sending them out. And Jesus came and spoke to them, this is verse 18, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So here we have the great commission of Jesus. It was originally for the apostles, but we know it's continued, and it's still continuing, as I've shared. There are people who have not heard the gospel. We see it through the book of Acts, where the persecution arose, and then... Christians dispersed, and what did they do as they went out? They preached wherever they went, and that's how it spread. We need to be doing the same. It's the great commission, not the great suggestion of Jesus. It's not like a, you can choose, oh, shall I opt in or opt out? If you're a born-again believer, you're in. We're all to do it. We'll all be doing it to different degrees, because we're all different. We'll have different gifts and abilities but we need to be available for the Lord. Where are we to go? Well, some will be called overseas, like Simon and Lucinda. They've been called to go uh, to a foreign country. Um, but many of us, probably most of us here, are going to be here. We might go to other places in the West. It's actually quite hard sharing the gospel in the West. It could be a family that are not saved, friends, neighbours, work colleagues. What about on the bus? What about at a park? What about at the gym? What about in a queue? Instead of grumbling, who does God want me to talk to? The person behind me or the person in front? There's opportunities everywhere, and we need to ask the Holy Spirit to stir us up to look for the opportunities, because they're there. Every time I go out my house, I'll be, I should be back in about two hours. My kids know it'll be about four. Because, oh, I kept bumping into people, and, oh, there was a person, you know... We've got to change the way that we look at evangelism. Not just all oh, the evangelists can do that. No, we're all called to do it in our sphere of influence. If you're a young mum, I don't want you to start feeling guilty today. I didn't start preaching the gospel lot actually until Shalom. She's here today. She's my youngest. Uh, she was about two when God really stirred us up uh, to do it. But as a young mum, it starts in your home. With your children preaching the gospel but living it because if you're screaming at your kids all day they might start picking up something's not right you need to ask God to help you to be Christ-like even when you're overtired grumpy that you're showing Jesus to your children starts there but you might get a telemarketer ring you up oh say well I'll listen to you if you give me two minutes 
you know, like the opportunities everywhere. You might take your kids to the park and there's another mum there. Just be friendly and see where the conversation leads you. I, often you've got to purposefully decide, I want to talk about Jesus. And you can change the conversation. And the more you do it, the easier it gets. Isn't that right? So I'm not here to make people feel guilty, but to stir you up to love and good works, uh, to preach the gospel. And really, it's going to start with prayer. Look, we could talk for hours just on prayer. I do a lot of praying. And even on my prayer walks at Roaches Beach, I bump into people and I get to share the gospel. One time there was an older gentleman um, and he was visiting from the East Coast. He was just walking down. He came and sat on my little prayer seat, I call it, uh, between Roaches Beach and Seven Mile Beach. And I know if someone comes and sits next to me, God put them there for me to share the gospel. That's my first thought. So I got talking with him. He was crying in the end. But I've seen him subsequently, and he's still, he's hardened. To, he's read the Bible, but he's got this intellectual knowledge, but it hasn't got into his heart. But I've got his name on my mirror in my ensuite, so I can pray for him. You know, we've got to keep praying for the seeds that we sow as well, because Satan wants to come and snatch them. So we've got to pray and keep on praying. Prayer is such an important part of evangelism. You know, I, we have a very small church ministry, Love Hobart, you know, but pr probably 90% of the church are at the prayer meetings every week. We have two weekly ones now. So then we've got more prayer happening because prayer changes things because God is faithful to answer prayer. So if we're going to share the gospel, we need to know what is the gospel? What is it? Well, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3 to 4 gives the very nutshell of the gospel says this, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That is the gospel. It's so simple, a child can explain it actually. Christ came to this earth willingly, died on the cross willingly, painfully, was buried and on the third day rose again which is our hope that Jesus rose from the dead it's the gospel is such a powerful message and the more we practice speaking it the easier it gets to share it you know often when I'm sharing it on the streets there might be you know say someone's waiting for a bus and I say will you give me one minute can you share the gospel in one minute? Because it's good to practice that. An example of that might be, the Bible says we've all sinned. Sin is doing things that God says we shouldn't do. It's not just big things like murder, violence, terrorism. It can be things like anger, hatred, unforgiveness, lying, stealing, doing drugs, shoplifting, because most of them are doing that. Because of our sin, it separates us from God. But God loves us so much. He wants us to walk with him, to know him. And the Bible says that Jesus came to this earth because he loved us, died on the cross as a substitute in place of us. We couldn't do anything about our sin. He took our sin willingly. He died, he rose again. He's a living savior. And the Bible says if you will repent and believe, you'll be born again. I explain repentance. Repent bring it down to a 13 year old who's never heard about Jesus 
my way of saying it is, is an apology to God with the intention that you're going to turn away from him, from sin, turn away from the sin and walk with Jesus. That's what, it, and they can understand that. It usually takes about four months for a kid to understand repentance. So there's kids in the streets of Hobart. You can say, what do you need to do to be able to go to heaven? And they'll tell you, repent and believe. They're not there yet. They're not there. But we're praying for them. You know, we're plowing up hard ground. You know, it is slow work. We haven't got hundreds of people getting saved. I wish there were. But the Lord knows. Our job, faithfulness. Opening our mouth. Preaching the gospel. So how it started for me, I've been a Christian since I was very young. So over 50 years now. And it was only about 15 years ago. My sister rang me and said, oh, I've just listened to some videos. She said, you should listen to them. So we did. Ray Comfort, The Way of the Master. And we all, everyone, I think Matthew was at college. So he was like, whoa, it's a mission field there. And he was sharing with everyone. And we were all going out. My mission field was Eastlands. And I'd get to know all the shopkeepers. And I'd have my four younger ones with me. And um, I was known to be on the floor behind the at the counter laying hands on someone's um, ankle there was nobody else in the shop and I checked with them I could do it but we've got to be available you know I can remember some girls in YD saying your children are so well behaved why use that to tell them we're Christians and to share the gospel there's opportunities everywhere if we actually look so that's where it started then we ended up starting an outreach cafe and I started meeting all kinds of people I'd never met before. I'd never really met a homeless person or a transgender. You know, people who are high on drugs. I never had met that. I'd have a, sh a very sheltered middle-class Christian upbringing, which was a blessing, but I hadn't met people that were very different to me. And God gave me love for these people. Eventually Mona came along David Walsh wanted that building and we got the boot. Our lease was terminated. Lord, what do you want me to do? Push, a little push from the Lord. Do you want a building or a city? So oh, we'll take the city out on the streets. That's where the city is. My office is my car boot. And cafes, Maccas actually, mostly Maccas with the kids. We're at Maccas, buy Maccas because if I buy them food, we're going to have God talk. And that is the pattern that I've established over the years. Um, you know, God's also, you know, um, opened up for me to share the uh, training and evangelism with people, which I love to do, because if it's just me doing it, it's not going to go very far, is it? But imagine if everyone in here all asked for one person this week. We're going to change Hobart. You don't need a lot of people to change a city. You just need a whole lot of people who are willing. Even if your knees are shaking and your heart's pumping and you're stuttering and can't get your words out, God is faithful. He didn't call angels to preach the gospel. He called us, humans. Wow, this is a privilege. It's a blessing. It's a gift. It's a calling from God to do that. So for me now, I'm out on the streets two days a week. have been for many, many years. And as Matthew said, doesn't matter the weather. I'm not going to let the devil win. I don't care how I feel or what the weather's like, I'm going out. But I love it. I actually love it. In the early days, it was a challenge. I do feel the cold. It's pretty cold most of the time in Hobart. 
But, you know, even there, when you're determined, because if you're like, oh, well, if I'm too tired, I won't go, guess what? You'll be tired. Now, you won't all be called to the streets. I'm called to the streets. But you've all got someone in your life that doesn't know the Lord. And we need to be willing to go. So I'm out there. So a lot of what I do is relational. Not always. People on cruise ships and, you know, other people you're only going to see once. But with the youth especially, I have a lot of... um, relational things that happen so there's kids I met eight nine years ago and they might text me out of the blue and it'll go something like this hi Helen I've been thinking of you and you know what that's code for I've been thinking about God it always is I say oh that's nice would you like to catch up oh yes I had one of those recently as a single mum I met her when she was about 17 she's about 23 no she's nearly 25 now and and that's how it went I said have you been thinking about God oh no no but then some family had died and a friend had her age had died so of course she'd been thinking about God so just being available is such an important thing I do still encourage a day of rest a week I turn my phone off one day a week to have a rest um, because it can be full-on I think also remember hugs are free hugs are free I always ask permission But, you know, hugs go a long way in showing love. And we've got to show Jesus. Sometimes it's buying meals or shoes or a tent or a blanket or a swag. I can't buy houses. I don't have that kind of money. Wish I did sometimes. But we can still show love. We can still talk to to people who are going through different things. So I want to just share now an example of a day for me doing street work. So this, this day happened just before Christmas last year because I thought I'll get one of the very interesting ones. I mean, some days, Friday, I was out in the streets. I had so many opportunities to share one after the other after the other. And I get to youth night, I'm kind of a bit tired. But, um, you know, God, God's with us. Even when we're tired, he gives us energy if we're praying, getting filled up with his word, and then we can keep giving out. So this uh, day happened <coughs> yeah, early just mid-December so I left home uh, to get some sleeping bags and pillows from Anaconda someone had just gifted us with some money for specifically for the homeless so I did that and I'm heading then towards Eastlands uh, to get some food vouchers before I go to Kangaroo Bay um, because there's some homeless people there that I met in the city who who are there and I'm, my phone goes, so I answer the phone, and it's a father from one of the young kids that I've met on the streets. He's a Christian, and his kid's gone off the rails. And he said, Helen, could we catch up now? And I'm like, yep, sure, I can meet you in Muir's. So I was 20 seconds from the turn off to Eastland. So I go into Muir's, spend an hour with this father, pray with him for his child, and encourage him keep praying don't give up keep showing love so then I go back to Eastland so by now I'm getting more hungry as well because you know if you preach the gospel a lot you've got to eat you know so I go into Eastlands and I've got the Woolies vouchers first and I'm getting them and I hear my name Helen and I turn around there's three guys teenage guys jumping over the barriers to get to me and they're kids I've met 
through the street work, haven't seen them in ages. Oh, what are you doing in Eastlands? Aren't you usually in town? I said, yeah, well, I'm doing that. Oh, I said, are you hungry? Oh, yeah, we're hungry. So, well, let's go down, down the escalator, coffee break, and we'll get some lunch. We go down the escalator, and at the bottom of the escalator, there's a big, burly security guard. Talks to these, one of them, what are you doing in here? You've got a ban. And his response, which they often all try this, oh, but I'm with Helen. <laughs> because it's, I've built the relationship, and they think, well, you know, she's a, she's a god person. That's what they often call me. So I've never met this security guard, so he's like, Okay, so who are you? So I'm explaining who I am, what I do. And he almost is like, okay, you couldn't stay with her. And then he changed his mind. So he left, but he didn't want to go by himself. So one of the others left, and one was left with me to collect all the food. So we got the food, and then the security card came back, and he was asking me questions as well. So there's always opportunities. Um, so then the kids are wait waiting outside Eastlands. We've got a photo now coming up on the screen. So I, I have blurred their faces just for privacy. So here's the four guys. Well, there were three, but yeah, another one came along. That always happens. So we're having our God talk. They're eating. It's all awesome. You buy them food, they're eating. So then I can talk without interruption. <laughs> you know, you've just got to be wise, don't you? So, but one of them, you can pick it up. But the more you do it, one was so open the things of God and so that was really encouraging they all took um, tracks and this one he goes oh there's some TikTok and it was all Bible verses to do with prophecy for the end times so it's kind of interesting how it all kind of works we get talking about that and, and I get to pray with them if they're happy for me to pray I pray I said I'm not going to kneel on the ground because we don't want to embarrass people unnecessarily either I mean, I've had some kids say, oh, we don't care what people think, and we're all like this, or we're holding hands, praying in the middle of the mall or wherever it is. So I leave these guys, and I head into town, walk into Wellington Court, and I hear my name again, Helen! And there's, we've got another photo now. So there's a, oh, I missed the homeless one. Okay, I did go, this is Tex. I will talk about Tex. I did go from Eastlands to Kangaroo Bay, text and he knows I'm sharing this today because I've asked permission um, he's been homeless for decades um, he's not very well but we went there he always lets me pray for him and I bumped into him again this Friday um, he's not saved you know so we keep praying for him you know so I went there had a, had a little chat with him and that was good went into town we got the next photo now and there was a big group of kids because all those kids there I know all of them they're my friends you know, I'm being friends with them. Um, a lot of them don't have adults that they're friends with, but God's given me an open door, I believe, as a mother who loves Jesus. I'm taking my mothering to the streets of Hobart. So my name's called out, Helen, and then so I go up to them. What were you doing at Eastlands? Words got there ahead of me. Because on Tuesdays and Fridays, Snapchat is running hot with pictures of me. <laughs> Um, I didn't used to like having my phone. And I, you know, they just do like this with their phone, up like that and down. So, oh, you're doing Snapchat. You know, so, <laughs> so, so it's kind of funny as well. So I get to um, explain what I was doing there with the kids. And yeah, it, it's very, very funny, really. And then all these kids are hungry. So we just go to get sushi. So there's about, they didn't all come, but there was probably about eight of them came with me. As we're walking three kids call out from the car park, Helen! And I'm sharing this to say that it's relational what I'm doing with the kids. 
not everyone will do this, but this is my journey and what God's called me to do. And one of them had a water gun, quite a big, big one. So they come down and then they're walking with me and they're squirting people, random people. So I'm like, please don't do that. That's wrong. So I do encourage them not to. Anyway, we go and queue up for the sushi and I get a tap on my shoulder. It's my husband. So he's found me in the middle of these kids. He doesn't know what I do. <laughs> and so we have a chat and then he leaves. But one of them didn't realize it was my husband. So then he's got the water gun. So he's about to squirt him from behind. I don't do that. And the others, don't do that. That's Helen's husband. So they didn't. Then another security guard. One of the kids has got a ban on the Wellington Center. They all have bans everywhere. I try not to kind of get too much into that. I just show them love. So the security guard's having an argument with this kid to leave, and he wouldn't leave. So that, that security guard knows me. So he came up to me, could you tell him to leave? So I go, I'll just call him, John, get out of here. Come in with me. And off he comes. Relationship. Mothering to a whole lot of naughty kids on the streets of Hobart. And that's how it goes. You know, sometimes I'm re uh, just preaching the gospel. Other times I'm sharing uh, Bible stories. Kids in our city have never heard of Jonah and the big fish. They've never heard of Daniel and the lion's den. I shared that a couple of weeks ago with a girl who was huddled up in the corner of the bus mall on that very cold Tuesday when there was snow later that day. I took her inside at the bus mall to give her food and I shared my sermon that I'd prepared on Daniel on the line. I said, Shit, I love this. This is so good. I said, well, you know, you're welcome to come to church. Sometimes we do get them coming by as well. So, you know, there's just so much that happens out on the streets of Hobart. I feel privileged to be called. I have got a couple more photos which we'll um, look at. So these two here, this is actually at Clarendon Vale Shops. So I do tend to end up, I end up all over the place. Um, the young guy there, his nan just died. So they're very sad, both of them. They're only 15. But his nan, he lived with his nan and his pop's about to go into a home. He's been living with them because his parents are dead. So his life's about to change dramatically. He's got to go and live with another relative in Glenorchy. You know, I get to pray with them. Lots of hugs, lots of love, lots of food and be there. And sometimes that's what we've got to do. If we're so busy, we can't take time to love the one in front of us. We're too busy. And you know what? Often when you're sharing things, like even I think I'm heading home, it doesn't always happen. You know, there's people everywhere. And we need to be willing to open our mouths. There's another photo as well. Thank you. This is Bones. I met him um, firstly through his daughter. She, I met her on the streets. Um, he's free of drugs now after a lot of decades. He still needs to get free of alcohol. So we could pray for him. Um, his daughter was an alcoholic for years. I met her when she was about 15. She's been free for 10 months now. They don't know Jesus yet, but we keep telling them about Jesus and we wait for the Holy Spirit. Hopefully one day they will realize they need to get right with the Lord. Was that the last photo, was it? Oh, this one. Okay, so the, these three 
here. The one in the middle was the first time I met her in this photo. I asked permission. These are all within the last two weeks, um, the photos. One thing those three all have in common, they're all homeless. Let that sink in. They're all homeless. They have no home. One is 18, one is 17, and one is in her 30s. One's had her children taken off her. They need the message of the gospel. They need to know that God loves them even in that very difficult thing. Being homeless in Hobart is hard. It's so cold. It's so, and it's dangerous. The streets are getting more dangerous. There are fights. The police are out a lot, but they don't get there in time, usually. It's very dangerous in the city, even in broad daylight, because they've taken God out the classroom, and what we've got is humanism, and it's all self-focused, and that is not good for any society. So how are they going to hear about Jesus? You and me. There's people everywhere. Yes, it might be scary, but it's not as well. It's actually encourages you, because if you're preaching the gospel a lot, you encourage yourself every time you speak it out. Look, I've been in situations, there's a, a girl that I met when she was 17. She came to our youth night and she stood there in the door. She's only little. I'm an atheist. I'm like, yes. Because they're wrong. <laughs> and I'm right, because I have Jesus. And over the years, she was in foster care. Her natural her birth mother is a druggie. She's been through a lot. Um, I still have contact with her. She's 21 now. And a few months ago, her boyfriend's mother passed away. So she rings me up, Helen. She's got a one-bedroom unit. I've got my boyfriend here his dad, my boyfriend's sister and her boyfriend in a one-bedroom unit, and we have no food. So I went to Woolies, bought a, a trolley worth of food, and I go there. And it was actually after church one Sunday night, so my husband took me. So he helped bring all the food in, and then he left. Though walking into that unit's like walking into a drug den. The stench of well, cigarettes and alcohol, but the weed and the other drugs. I'm thinking, I hope I don't have a high in the car on the way home. Like, it's really bad, and I have very sensitive nose, but I'm there just quietly saying, Lord, give me strength to stay here, to listen to them, to pray with them, to remind them that God loves them. And, you, and I did, by God's grace. So it's not all easy. Look, God has a sense of humour, as I've shared. There's some things that are funny, you know, and I have a giggle to myself. But it's plain hard work. But as Christians, what are we called to do? Be faithful to the Lord. Anyway, I think I ran out of time, so I'll just bring it to a conclusion now. Um, our job is to preach the gospel and make disciples as the Lord leads us. We need to be faithful. What's God's job? It's the Holy Spirit brings all men to salvation, not us. Sometimes people get confused. Try and make someone say a prayer. There's nothing about that in the Bible. You preach the gospel, make disciples. You might, they might ask you to help them pray to salvation, 
But if we're forcing someone to say a prayer and think that's going to do it, it's not. We've got to be sure the Holy Spirit is moving in someone's life. You know, I meet people on the streets who are drunk as anything. Oh, I said a prayer once, I'm a Christian. And you just know they do not have a heart for the Lord. We don't want to make false converts to a false religion. Let God do his job and we do our job. And that, that's a cost. Like people say, what's the fruit from your ministry? I'm like, well, it depends what, how you measure fruit. Because salvations is not my job. My job is faithfulness. And preaching the gospel of the Bible, no compromise. That's hard when you've got a homosexual looking you in the face. What do you think about homosexuals? I say, I love them. But let me share with you what God says about sexual immorality. And I share about heterosexuals and homosexuals, both sinning because it's good to keep the same sins together. And I explain both are wrong. So all the kids sleeping around, they're all doing stuff. I said if they get saved, whether they're homosexual or heterosexual, they stop that sin. And it's called self-control. That's basically how it goes. Um, not everyone's going to be called to do street work. I know that, you know. But we're all called to preach the gospel. At home, at work, at play, all around us, people are heading to hell. Eternal damnation. No second chance once they're dead. We have to keep an eternal perspective. And I have a quote from Charles Spurgeon here. Young men and old men and sisters of all ages. Well, that covers all of us here. If you love the Lord, get a passion for souls. Why? Because the Lord loves souls. Do you not see them? They're going down to hell by thousands. As often as the hand upon the dial completes its circuit, hell devours multitudes. Some of them ignorant of Christ and others willfully rejecting him. May there not be anyone in our lives that we know that goes to hell because we failed to open our mouths. If people choose to reject it, that's not our problem in a sense. But we don't want people falling into hell that we have not been willing to share the gospel with. Because we don't know who God's called, do we? We are here to preach the gospel Ask God to open your eyes for the lost. God loves the lost. Doesn't his word say that he desires all men to be saved? That's God's desire. Is it yours? Or do you not care two hoots? You come to church and you just go home and do your own thing. We're not here to do our own thing. We're here as ambassadors of Jesus. Disciples of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's our God. We're going to come face to face with him one day. We've got to keep eternity in view. You will need such a love for the lost, you'll feel compelled to go. If you're going in judgment, it will not work. They will pick that up and they will not listen to you. But if you're going with the love and compassion that Jesus had on this earth, my experience is generally they'll listen. They might test you out a bit to see if you really are real. Especially kids I know who've been hurt by adults, have had parents leave them, reject them. But will you ask God to stir that love for the lost? 
It comes from God. How well do you know God? We need to know him more. We all can grow in knowing God. It comes from his word. Read his word. It's a living word. Eat it like you eat food. That's how much we need to read the word. And pray. Keep on praying. Pray by yourself. Pray with others. God is faithful to answer prayer. So having said all this, let's go. Preach the gospel. Amen. Thanks for listening.